From the Financial Times in London, I'm Barney Thompson and this is FT News. On Tuesday, Britain's Prime Minister Theresa May gave a long-awaited speech setting out her vision of Brexit. She had warm words for the EU and said the UK would continue to be reliable partners, willing allies and close friends. We want to buy your goods, sell you ours, trade with you as freely as possible and work with one another to make sure we are all safer, more secure and more prosperous. But the British Prime Minister also stated her intention to take the UK out of the single market and strike an entirely new free trade deal with the EU. And she said no deal was better than a bad deal. So if Britain didn't like the terms on offer, it would simply leave. And she had a warning. Any attempt at a punitive deal for Britain would be calamitous for the rest of Europe. So how did the speech go down? Did the Prime Minister set out enough specific proposals to satisfy critics who have accused her of failing to provide clarity on Brexit? With me to discuss Mrs May's speech is Jim Pickard, the FT's chief political correspondent. Jim, what did we learn today about the Prime Minister's ideal Brexit? And how does she see Britain's relationship with Europe? The main points we heard from Theresa May today, the first one, the one that will be remembered in history, I think, is the Prime Minister setting out that Britain, after all these decades in the single market, is now definitely going to leave. Now, it's not a surprise, but for her to set it out in such stark terms is definitely a new thing. And she wants a new trade deal in which we're not half in the EU, not half out the EU, but totally out there, but with this deal. Now, in terms of other things we learnt, she also wants to leave the EU Common External Tariff, otherwise known as the Customs Union, and yet get a new replacement deal of some kind. She says that she doesn't want to make huge contributions to the EU budget in return for single market access. There may be some contributions, but only for specific programmes. She has confirmed that Parliament will have a vote on the final deal between the UK and the EU before it comes into force. And that seems to be the thing that particularly moved Sterling upwards today. She said that the government wants to have a phased process of implementation, but not an unlimited transitional status, which she described as something that would be political purgatory. And she said, as you mentioned earlier, we will leave without an exit deal if there's no good deal on the table. Other things that came up, no unilateral guarantee to EU nationals who are already resident in the UK. I think we knew that saying that the number of EU citizens coming to the UK will be controlled. We already knew that. Security cooperation with the EU will continue. And a sort of broader message of we still want the EU to succeed, unlike Donald Trump on the other side of the Atlantic, who seems to be quite happy for it to disintegrate. Indeed. But many commentators and indeed some European leaders, notably uh, Francois Hollande of France, have warned Britain that it's not going to get a better deal outside the EU than it had when it was inside. She referred to this when she warned the EU not to get punitive, But what bargaining chips does she actually have? I think they're twofold. I think the first obvious one is trade and tariffs. Bear in mind that we have a trade deficit with the EU. We buy more stuff off them than the other way around. And the Prime Minister said it would be calamitous for Europe if we end up with a deal where we go to war with each other in trade terms. And she talks about how we don't want to be paying huge sums to the EU budget. She only pay for these programmes. But the message is very clearly just don't start a kind of tit for tat on trade. And then the other area where she thinks we have some kind of leverage over the Europeans, our former partners, is cooperation over security. She points out that there are only two nuclear powers in Europe, and it's Britain and France, the only two European countries with permanent seats on the UN Security Council. And she talked about Britain's intelligence capabilities, and she used the words unique in Europe. And I think that was a pretty obvious threat that we could, in theory, withdraw those if the rest of Europe tries to thwart us in other areas. 
We know that Theresa May wants to take us out of the single market, but you mentioned the customs union. She was a bit more nuanced on that. So are we going to stay in the customs union or are we going to leave it? I think a lot of people get confused over the single market and the customs union and what is the difference between the two. And the way to explain it is that the single market is the relationship between the 28 member states and how they fit together. The customs union is how all of those 28 look outside the EU, how they deal with other countries such as the USA and China and India and elsewhere. So we'll be leaving the single market. When it comes to the customs union, the prime minister used a very different language. It was about we could perhaps be a signatory to some elements. We could be an associate member. She said we wouldn't be subject to the external trade tariff, a technical way of saying we will not be in the customs union per se, but we're going to kind of cling on to bits of it. And this is, I think, an attempt to protect certain industries such as car manufacturing and pharmaceuticals and others. But this could still be problematic because if we end up with a situation where we have different tariffs, that means the potential situation where we will need customs checks to prevent people importing various expensive goods into Britain to avoid tariffs elsewhere. If we have the same tariffs as they have in Europe, we have a situation where it's much harder for us to cut attractive deals with India, China, everywhere else, because it's harder for us to have different lower tariffs than our European rivals. So those are the things that we do know. What about some of the things that Theresa May was holding back on? The Prime Minister gave a very polished tour de raison of all the things that we want from Europe in theory. But when you stop to analyse it, there are a few things that are still missing. The first one is the exit bill, which is one of the first things that Europe wants to agree with us as part of the departure process. And it could be around £50 billion that we owe them. Are we prepared to pay the full amount? Are we going to try and stagger it over 10 years or 100 years or 50 years? That's the first point. The second point is on the customs union. Which industries are we going to try and carve out some kind of fresh deal over? And the third point, very important point, one of the main reasons we're leaving the EU in the first place is immigration. So what will the new system be like? Will it get the Tory government below its 100,000 net immigration figure? And most importantly, will it give EU citizens slightly more preferential uh, rights to people living outside the EU. And on that one, we still really don't know at all. What did you make of her pledge to put any Brexit deal to Parliament in the UK, to the Commons and to the Lords? There's no chance that they would vote that down, is there? No. So this is the strange moment when Sterling seemed to kind of gravitate upwards very sharply. And I just wonder whether the city's been watching this closely enough because you saw the debate only a few weeks ago where it was put to Parliament, should we go ahead and trigger Article 50? And only something like 100 MPs voted against. And what we're going to end up with the situation is it'll be two years into the negotiations. It'll be kind of the last stage before we quit the EU. And it's going to be very much a take it or leave it deal. There's not going to be an opportunity for MPs to somehow change the fine detail of the deal. And therefore, they will wave it through. And any excitement from Remainers or Ramonas that this could somehow kill it off is very much misplaced. Since everyone was tuning into this speech in Westminster, around the UK, in European capitals, and of course the markets, how did it go down? Was it well received? Well, to quote Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face. And the plan went down very well. Whether that means that everyone will still be happy in six months' time or a year's time or two years' time is a very different question. But for now, the Prime Minister seems to have pulled off a very delicate balancing act in that she has UKIP, the hardcore exters, uh, loving the speech, saying it could have been made at a UKIP conference, Paul Nuttall, the leader, giving it a 7 out of 10. Keir Starmer, meanwhile, who's the spokesman on Brexit for the opposition Labour Party, saying that somehow we seem to be avoiding hard Brexit. And also in Europe, you know, quite positive words from Donald Tusk, the EU Council president, 
welcoming the UK's realistic stance, inverted commas. Mikel Barnier, the Commission's Brexit chief, saying that they are as ready to deal with us, as ready as we are. And he said agreement on an orderly exit is prerequisite for future partnership. That doesn't mean that member states won't try and throw sand into the wheels in the coming months. But for now, the reception has been pretty positive. And the only people criticising from the sidelines are firstly from the city. Uh, I've got an economist at HSBC saying this is actually still hard Brexit. And in the House of Commons, I was chatting to Tim Farron only a couple of hours ago, the leader of the Liberal Democrats, and he is out there saying Lib Dems are utterly disappointed with the speech, saying this is the waving of the white flag. But you have to bear in mind that the Lib Dems are on a kind of political mission of their own, which is to harvest up all those people who not only voted against Brexit, but are still really unhappy with it. Today, the UK Prime Minister set out her Brexit intentions. Now we wait for Article 50 to be triggered and for negotiations to begin. I'm Barney Thompson, my thanks to Jim Pickard, and for more of the FT's Brexit coverage, please visit www.ft.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., 